Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. G'day Australia, welcome to My Millennial Money. Today we're following on with a bonus edition. We're talking about trust. So, it is a matter of trust, isn't it, this one, John? It always is. It <laughs> so, always is. Welcome, John. And welcome back, Scott Young from Altus Financial. Welcome, and Scott. thanks for joining us again. Thanks for having me, guys. So, before we get started, I want you to, if you haven't heard the episode on business structures, episode 257... It's probably worth going back and listening to that because we went through, you know, sole trader, partnerships, companies, and then we're moving on now to trusts. So, we're going to try and unpack trusts uh, today, I guess, from a small business point of view of why we might use them and all that stuff. But then we're going to talk about using them as investment vehicles and basically just get down and dirty with trusts, okay? Now, if you are listening and not yet watching, we are on YouTube. So, if you go to My Millennial Money, you can see M3TV on YouTube. We're filming this episode. So, what up, everyone? G'day. Um, And we've got a diagram. So, there'll be a link in the show note to one, the YouTube episode, but two, also a link to the trust diagram that I've drawn, which is a basic diagram because this can be complex for people who just don't do trusts every day. I mean, it's, it's it's probably a little bit more advanced and it's certainly, Scott, you wouldn't recommend someone just jump online and set up their own trust without some accounting and legal advice. Definitely, Glenn. So, trusts, well, any business structures, just some motherhood statements, usually you'd want accounting and legal or estate planning advice before you just go and run and open something is that correct yeah look i think that's right glenn i think at least it's it's really easy to think that you require or need to set something up without first seeking advice or having a discussion to understand the pros and cons of doing it Mm. i think my primary statement on on structures whichever they are is they should they need to serve a purpose Mm. um and and ideally the the benefit whether it be a short-term benefit or a long-term benefit needs to outweigh the cost yeah, yeah. And the, and the benefit is to you and not the person recommending that you set it up, right? 100%, John. <laughs> you're absolutely right. It's it's really easy for for experts and practitioners and there's there's many 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 great ones out there in the professions, but it's really easy to overcomplicate things without re- properly sitting down and that's where I think Glenn you're right that the the goals based of advice of understanding what are the goals and objectives whether it be in business or investment and then ideally ensuring short medium and long term and then making sure the structure helps serve those purposes first and foremost yeah Yeah, so and i will say before you turn off we are talking about trust as an investment vehicle as well so if you are an employee and don't plan to ever start your own business you will still learn the concepts and you'll probably learn more about trusts when you hear them talked about 
in movies or in TV shows or in the news. So, where we left off in episode 257 was basically a progression from Soul Trader to Incorporated. So, as a recap, a Soul Trader... What's a sole trader? Just as a quick recap. Yeah, quick recap. Sole trader is basically an individual carrying on business in in their own right. So there's no separate entity or structure from themselves as as an individual, um, and that's as simple as uh, a, you you have a you have a tax file number. You go out there and and you need an identification to state that you're carrying on business, which is an ABN. You then potentially have to be registered for GST, but in effect, it's an extension of yourself. You're, you're carrying on business. You can register a business name under your personal name and that linked to your ABN gives you the right to trade under that identification. Yeah, so I always, because I'm a visual person, uh, being a sole trader, just imagine a funnel, all income is going into that funnel and it coming out of the bottom with the same tax file number and an ABN where if you go, okay, well, we need to grow this side hustle or turn this business up a notch, we might incorporate, which would mean essentially a separate entity with its own tax file number and its own ABN. So you can picture two funnels in the sky now, but your personal funnel might be under the big funnel. (laughs) So a common question with that, Scott, is I'm a sole trader, uh, basically self-employed. Can I distribute income to my wife through that structure? Well. We'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but, but good question. The answer is really no, yeah. right? In most cases, therefore, John, you're saying I have I have reduced flexibility, yeah. right? Uh, most majority or, or if not all income earned by you is, is derived by you and accessible to you. Yep. So there's limitations in relation to that. There's also limitations in relation to the tax rates that's paid because you're paying it in your own right. Mm. And back to your point, Glenn, there's also... There's no separation of risk from yourself as an individual and and your family home that you may own or any other assets and your commercial trading activities. Yeah, and it's I think it's important to know with moving from sole trader to the next thing. So it's more of a, okay, I've tried my business for the first couple of years. I think it's yeah. going to be a success. I think I need to take it to the next level. We need to think about tax planning mm. and asset protection yep and that's not to say you know you might if you're a contractor you might have to have a company because the people that are paying you only will pay to a company so forget that but as a natural progression trusts can be seen as more flexible in terms of estate planning and possibly tax planning but there's pros and cons of each side of the fence yep so which which we'll go deep with which we're going to go deep so again Jump on to the show notes or on YouTube. We'll put it on the screen, the little diagram that I've got. Now, when you need to know information, where do you go? You go to Wikipedia, right? Always. So, I just Googled to get a succinct statement. What is trust law? And a trust is a legal agreement where a person, which is the trustee, holds and manages property for the benefit of others in the agreement, which is the beneficiaries as laid out in a trust deed. The trustee legally owns the properties but is obliged to act in accordance with the provisions of the deed. So, I guess if, John, 
you had a brick in your hand. We could call you, you are the trust and you're holding the brick, which is an asset. Yes. Scott, you are the trustee. Now, and then on the bit of paper, on the floor, there's a, a document in a, a binder called the trustee. Mm-hmm. Now, Scott, as the trustee of that trust and the brick, you need to manage John holding that brick in accordance to the trust deed. But he's holding that brick for my benefit being a beneficiary. Is that a practical way Absolutely. to explain it? Yes. Yeah, so, so, so basically, we, we have different roles or different duties and responsibilities. So, so the deed is the governing document that basically says each of our roles and what we can and can't do. Yeah. The trustee, which in that instance was myself, I have to administer the trust and its property in accordance with that deed. Otherwise, I'm not fulfilling my duties as a trustee. Cool. Yes. So just before everyone turns off this episode, mm. we don't want to co- overcomplicate things, but do, do you get people come to you and say, well, that's all just too complicated, just keep me as a sole trader or I just want to keep it st- straightforward? Um, um, I, I, it's a really good question. Um, you'd actually find, John, more to all our listeners, it, it is complex, but... The question around trust and, and, and why I should have one, should I have one, I saw a friend at the barbecue and they've got one, um, comes up a lot. And the main reason is because there are benefits to it, potentially commercial benefits um, that can be annuity-based obtained every year for a long period of time. So I, I think it is a common question that people probably don't quite understand down to where we want to talk about is is when would one be suitable? When should I have one? That's the and, key, and, isn't and, it? And, and potentially, um, when am I being sold or discussing something that's probably not something I require right now in my life? Yes. Yeah. And maybe we can use that example, but if you are driving at the moment, just imagine a, a bit of paper on the page and there's a triangle in the middle, which is the trust. And then on top of that triangle is a rectangle, which is the trustee company now and we will get into um the trustee because it's important to know and then also on that bit of paper there's a ring binder which is the trust deed okay now i think for the benefit of understanding this it's probably good that we just for the sake of this conversation i'm the beneficiary john is the trust john is holding that brick which is the asset and scott you are the trustee that's making sure that John is managing that brick in accordance with that ring binder, mm-hmm. which is the trust deed. Now, that brick might generate income each year. and Maybe it's a gold brick. It's a gold brick. <laughs> and it prints money and I'm the beneficiary of this trust. So, you make sure that the ring binder trust deed says Glenn is the beneficiary. So, he gets the benefit year on year. And also, if the asset's sold. Now, again, we don't want to complicate this too much, but let's just step back. And most people say, I've heard of a trust and I've heard of a family trust. So, the street name is probably family trust and the professional name is a discretionary family trust. So, there's there's plenty of ways we could spin this, but... In this example that you've just given where I'm holding the brick, yes. in a family situation, 
who's who's Big Daddy here? Uh, I'm could be Big Daddy, yeah, and we'll pretend that uh, my wife Taylor Swift, yeah, <laughs> um, you are managing that brick, and that brick could be a company. It could be a share portfolio, but for hmm. this conversation, we'll assume that that brick is my business. Yes. So and I'm Taylor. Uh, no, no. Don't, <laughs> don't, I don't even think we should joke and confuse no. the complexities of this. So, Glenn and Taylor Swift. So, I'm, I think let's, what about I give an example of my actual business and how I use the trust? Yeah. And, and why? And why. And this is because we had to do this as a separate episode because we can't just gloss over this nah. and you need to get professional accounting and legal advice. So, I started my financial planning business in 2010, okay? And like any business startup, we want it to be lean. We don't know if it's going to last three years. We don't know if it's going to last five years, okay? So, it was easier for me just to start and trade as a sole trader. So, my business, Glenn James Financial Planning, trading as, well, Glenn James trading as Glenn James Financial Planning, okay? So, and that was it. So, all the income that I generated, oh, and there was so much in the first year. (laughs) (laughs) So, because I wasn't earning much income, the expenses weren't great, I'm just starting. So, all the income I generated fell into my lap, okay? And then, I was, most businesses is considered an asset. So, if you've got a barber shop and you've got three chairs, that you could sell that barber shop because it's got recurring income, because you've got customers, they've got equipment. So, your business can be seen as an asset, okay? So, a little bit different if you were a tradesperson, just doing ad hoc trades, but the nature of my business was I was building an asset because it was recurring customers, recurring revenue, staff. It a was brand. A brand. It was bigger than just mm. Glenn James, I will fix your lights, okay? So... I decided, so it was a couple of years in, two years, two and a half years in, I had a meeting with my accountant and solicitor and I said, look, I think this has legs. Uh, I've, you know, the signs are pointing north. This is really going ahead. I need to now incorporate, okay? So, we had to look at three basic things. And if you've got any questions you want to ask, jump in. Three basic things. Number one, uh, tax planning. What was the most flexible way for me to legally pay as little tax as I was required to by law? Uh, the second one was st- uh, asset protection. So, if I set up a life insurance for somebody for a million dollars and it didn't pay out mm. and it was because of me mm. being neglectful or whatever and the PI insurance didn't cover that, you know, because you've got to look worst case scenario. Mm. How do I protect my assets yep so and then the third one was if i ever had to sell Mm. that business or that asset because the nature of my business i was building a legitimate asset that might be able to be sold one day yeah okay okay so would there have been a fourth one in terms of uh income distribution well that's just tax planning yeah okay so you put all that under one umbrella Yeah. yeah so tax income Mm. Second, asset protection. Third, end of 
transition or what would you call it? Well, succession um, even. Yes, succession or, or, or likelihood of realization or transition of value. Yes. Right? Like, yep. like the example you said before, if, if I'm building a business just for a lifestyle, which is really not going to be above and beyond the individual. Yeah, like I could have a, a lawns mowing business. Yes. Mm. Like probably keep that as sole trader because it doesn't have any value, maybe a thousand, three thousand dollars worth of mowing stuff. Yeah. yeah. Because I am the business. Yeah. Where the business I was building had staff, it had a brand, it was, you know. So question yep. for you, Scott, why would Glenn have set up the whole shabamble at the start? trust with Glenn as a beneficiary etc as opposed to him going sole trader at the start uh, p- probably because I think he's he wanted to crawl before he walked yeah yeah and yeah. And, and 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 that's very common um, John that the, the, the people aren't quite clear um, they they're maybe not as confident as just going all in yeah. whereas whereas you, you that's just and that's just the attributes or the different characteristics of people some people walk in and go I'm, I'm committed to this I know it's going to work I'm all in let's set it all up mm. whereas other people go and say look let, I'm, I'm starting up um, because I, it did cost me uh, a few grand yeah I was gonna say I only have so much capital I want to deploy to uh, set that up initially yeah. yeah 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 so I might let me go and, 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 and prove to myself this will work. Maybe they've just exited. They're sort of putting one foot out the door from employment. Mm. So they're going, I want to step out, um, keep as much capital I've got because that's my savings base. Um, not a, And not only, Glenn, are your costs more expensive on the setup, but your costs are also more expensive to administer each year. Yeah, because you're basically starting a company yeah. or you've got – an incorporated entity that needs its own financials, it needs its own tax return. It's just, it adds costs. So, so the advice that I had was to set up a discretionary slash family trust yep. as Glenn James wealth creation, wealth vehicle for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, there are two types of trusts that we will talk about today. The family slash discretionary trust is one type of trust and the other trust would be a unit trust. Yep. Okay. So, the way I set up my business was a discretionary family trust and which was just for Glenn James and the fi- Glenn James financial planning was set up in a unit trust, which all the units were owned by the family, family trust. trust. So, technically speaking, I, with a unit trust, all of the money, distribution, other word, maybe dividends, if you want to call it that, just for- Profits. Profits. Profits is probably a better word. All of the profits from the financial planning business had to go to the unit holders, 100% of the unit holders evenly over the units, which was my family trust. But because my family trust- and if we go back to if John's brick that he's holding is the Glenn James financial planning business, now that brick being the family trust, it's a discretionary trust. So all the profits, it's at the discretion of the trustee to distribute that profit. So Taylor could get some profit. Glenn could get some profit. Glenn, Glenn could get none. Glenn right. could get none. Yeah. And then down the track, your kids may... My get kids could well. get some. So, the advantage of the setup that I had, so John's holding the brick, which was Glenn James Financial Planning, which was a trust in its own right, which is 
probably doesn't really matter for the purpose of this. Glenn James himself, I did not own my financial planning business. That's correct. So, and that's why you see on the news where like people get sued and go bankrupt Mm. or whatever. Or they get sued, probably not bankrupt, but they're still driving around in their Maserati or they're still living because them personally didn't own any of the business assets. No. I just distribute, take, took a distribution yes. over time. So, as you can see from the setup that I had, one, asset protection because I was in a highly litigious or litigious, whatever the word is, yeah. industry. So, big risk. Yeah. So, if I did something wrong, it could cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. And two, I had more control with distributing profits within my family unit. Mm. So, So, question for you, Scott. In in that example, setting up as a as a trust, do you are there certain industries that have got different regulations in terms of the person on the on the front line needs to be insured? So as a result of that, they need to be a sole trader or, or whatever. Have you got yeah, an example? absolutely. And, and and you're seeing more and more of this where where um, commercial complexity is forcing um, the use or or, or no longer ability to utilize different structures so there are many many corporates that will say we do not contract with sole traders because of the risks associated under insurance workers comp superannuation you're also seeing heavy in the construction game where they often they may not they may not contract with trusts but it's commercially acceptable that they may be um, requiring people to trade as companies right yeah yeah so i think if you're if you are looking at that triangle that we've got the diagram on the link and we'll put it up now on the video, that triangle itself would have its own ABN and tax on number. Now, Scott, what are the big things? I guess the key differences between a company trading. So, if Glenn James Financial Planning was a company versus Glenn James Financial Planning, even if it was just a discretionary trust. Yep. What are the the one big difference? with the two entities in terms of tax? Yeah, well, tax, tax primary is a company has its own tax rates, right? So, you, either a company pays it at 30 cents in the dollar or 27 and a half cents in the dollar. Um, that means that every dollar that the company produces as profit, the company must pay tax in its own capacity. Okay? Yes. Then what happens each year is then the company can distribute monies through to shareholders. So, uh, it, the, the the profits are... Uh, captured within the entity and then a discretionary decision can be made to distribute them the company has no obligation unless its constitution says it must it has no obligation to pay that money out it could reinvest it it could retain it it can do whatever it wishes as as per the board of directors on the other side when you've got a trust a trust from a tax perspective is a flow-through vehicle so what i mean by that is that it is in its own right earn, owning property, in this case a brick, and then generating income off that brick. So it could be renting it, it could be selling part of it. But each year, the trustee, being myself in this instance, must decide how the profits are generated, or sorry, are, are, are distributed through to the beneficiaries, being Glenn and his family. Now, if I choose to not do that, then what happens is the tax system basically penalises the trust and deems the highest marginal rate on that income. So in my game of doing this for over 20 years, um, we haven't had a trust that has not 
made it <laughs> that is yeah. not distributed because <laughs> the implications of it are basically adverse in that yeah. right. So in effect, what we're saying is in, in the company's perspective, it's a fixed amount that's paid by the company. In the trust perspective, it's a flow through at its discretion in this case to the beneficiaries each yeah. year. So long story short, companies pay tax, trusts don't pay tax. Mm. The, beneficiaries. People, the beneficiaries receive um, the income. So, and this was a hard one to get your head around. So, if that brick generated $100,000 in profit for that year, and at the 30th of June, there was a hundred grand in the trust's bank account because the trust, the triangle, would have its own bank account. Yep. That $100,000 profit has to be distributed to Glenn and Taylor, Glenn or Taylor, whatever it could be, could be 50-50. Now... The thing to get your head around, the actual $100,000 cash from the bank can stay in the trust, but there has to be a deemed income on paper on my personal tax return and Taylor's tax return of 50-50 or we'll just call it $50,000 each. Yep. Now, you can start to see that if Glenn James earned $100,000, I would pay more tax as a family unit as opposed to... Glenn earning $50,000 and Taylor earning $50,000 from the trust because mm. we both get our $18,000 tax-free. Yeah, that's correct. Different thresholds. Now, there are some differences and we will just slightly touch on it. If you distributed, depending on the business, there's a thing called personal service income. So, if you were... If you were a single practitioner web developer operating out of a trust and your partner was a dentist earning their own income in their own right, talk to me about that $100,000 profit from that brick, that if that brick was the web development work and I was the web developer and Taylor was a full-time dentist earning her own money in her own right... We could not necessarily split that hundred thousand dollars two ways. Yeah. So, so, so basically, what those rules are looking at is, is when the services are basically rendered by an individual in their capacity, and it and it smells and looks and feels like an employee-employer relationship, but you're just using a structure to obtain a, a tax benefit. The tax system basically defines it and says, look, we we. We respect the fact that commercially you may wish to utilise a structure for the benefits you said before, like asset protection. Yeah, so it could be a, a risky web developed yep. business where he could maybe lose his ass. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. Or or maybe he couldn't get PI insurance yes. or something like that. So he had to set up a structure. But the way it's looked at from the tax system is they say, Well, there's a test that you need to pass or tests you need to pass. And if it looks and feels like Glenn is basically just an employee, then then Glenn is deemed to have received all that income. Yes. To basically stop people from avoiding tax. That's yeah. it. That's exactly and right. And then that's the benefit of tax as an asset protection estate planning vehicle. In that instance, I've done it to protect other wealth in the family or, or whatever because um, it's a trust and it's not me individually you know, doing the web services. It's the company yeah. or the trust doing the web services. But we can't use it in that instance for tax. That's right. Where my business was a legitimate business. There was multiple employees. You know, it was... Yeah, you had premises. You had premises. It yeah. was its own thing. 
we could then distribute that income to the beneficiaries. Yeah. Yep. So, um, and going a little bit deeper on that, would the ATO request a, a business plan in the event of an audit and something like that where they actually dig really deep into your structure of the business and how you run it on a daily level? Yeah, look, th- th- there's there's a number of tests there about, and, and, and you're right, whether you, you spend a certain amount of assets, whether you've got it from one or more one or more customers, right? So if I'm a web developer and I only work for one company yeah. and they tell me the hours to work, I work in their office, yeah. um, it's nine to five, like that, that feels like, an employee. Yeah. If if I work for five different companies over a year, um, the fact I work from home, or, or and then of course if you have business premises, mm. right? Those types of things define where you sit on those rules. Yep. Um, I think the other point, just Glenn, to touch on about beneficiaries is that some of our listeners, you know, could be beneficiaries of maybe family trusts that that, that their uncles, aunties, mums, and dads have had. Maybe there were periods where they were just turned 18 or in their 20s and and they were getting distributions but didn't quite understand how it all worked. And didn't Um, see any of it. And didn't see any (laughs) of it. Um, This sort of links into that conversation as well. Yeah, Yeah, and that's it. So a discretionary family trust, which is a hybrid of the two words, like it's a family trust and a discretionary trust, the trustee, the ring binder on the floor that Scott, the trustee, makes sure that everything operates via that trustee it would list the beneficiaries. So we could distribute income to different... Like as an example, my grandmother, I'll just use a wild example. She 100% lives off the land, is not on social security, doesn't have any wealth to her own name. I could distribute and give her $50,000 a year out of my trust because she's a family member and she's listed in the trustee by way of her title being grandmother. Correct. You can also distribute to uh, charities, churches, religious organizations through your family trust. Uh, So, the key thing is having a trustee that's current and reflects your situation. Yep. So... Oh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of ground that we covered there. Well, so, why don't we maybe talk about the difference of where a unit trust is maybe a little bit different? Yeah, so, well, actually before that, I just wanted to touch on, you know, if you're looking at the diagram and there's the trust. Now, on this diagram that there's a link in the show notes and um, we'll put it up on the video again, the trustee company and all my trusts have had trustee companies, not individuals. Yep. Why would somebody use a trustee company? So the company, we're removing Scott as looking after the ring binder on the floor and we're inserting a different company in there, yep. which doesn't trade, he's just a shell company. Why would we use a company as a, a corporate trustee? Yeah, look, good question. Um, You started this by saying that the assets are actually listed in the trustee's name, which is absolutely correct. So say, for example, this trust that we've got in the brick, the brick's a piece of property. Yes. That would mean if anyone conducted a land title search and I'm the trustee of this trust, it would actually show that Scott Young owns this property. But fundamentally, um, I'm not the owner of this property. I'm actually not a beneficiary of, of this property. Yeah, you're just making sure the rules are played for within yeah. the trust. That's correct. Whereas, you, so that can cause confusion. Yeah. It can also cause complex complexity on both our fronts yeah um additionally if something was to happen to myself pass away death yeah there's a whole 
a myriad of problems that sort of can occur. Um, equally, in that instance, there's only one in, one individual that's making all the decisions, right? Whereas what people move towards is a trustee company, which then can have various directors, it could be two or more, it could be five, that are basically making decisions in relation to the trust. And also it means that the assets are not listed in the individual's names, but are listed in the trustee company's name. And also it you can change who's in charge of that company far more efficiently and easier by just appointing and resigning directors. As On the a, ASIC portal. Okay, uh, yeah. yeah, in the space of 10 minutes yeah. or five minutes, as opposed to the, the example I gave before. Whereas if I was stepping aside, that requires a whole lot of application through to land titles office and questions about, you know, has the property been sold? Is there stamp duty payable? Stamp duty. It's yeah. just cleaner. Cleaner, yeah. cleaner, easier to simplify yep. it's over a longer period of time. Mm. So, if if there was a trustee company of John Pigeon holding my brick and Scott happened to be a director of that company and Scott died, well, it's easy just to put a new director in rather than telling heaven and earth that yeah. there's a new yeah. beneficial owner. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the other complexity to that is is lending as well. So yep. we, we probably won't go too deep with that today, but that's what a lot of people need to factor in. If, they, if they're buying a business and getting a loan at the same time or buying a property and needing lending, they may have set something up and then, hang on a minute, I actually can't get a loan. Yeah, too late. you're right, and, and I, you've seen that, John. Have you seen some some banks not yeah. not support um, individual trustees? Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I've seen it more often where um, I think people are just so sold on on setting up a trust to buy their assets in that they haven't looked past first base to say, well, can I get a loan? Well, yeah, you can get a loan, but you've got to satisfy X, Y, and Z. Well, hang on a minute, that's going to be too complicated and uh, it's maybe not going to work for me. Now we have to backtrack, but we've already spent thousands of dollars setting it up. Yeah, totally. So we will just quickly talk before we go into what assets a trust can hold um, about this unit trust scenario. Yep. Look, I was just going to say the only the main difference between the family or discretionary trust is, as we said before, if a hundred grand's earned every year, the trustee can make an assessment of which beneficiary receives that hundred thousand dollars at the trustee's discretion. At the trustee's discretion, so it can be a hundred thousand to one, it could be a dollar, it could be either, it can be a complete mission, can go to grandma, uncle Barry, ultimate flexibility yeah. for tax returns and planning at the end of the year. Yep. That's right. Flexibility. Where Complete. if you're a sole trader, it all landing on your own tax return. That's mm. correct. If you're a company, it's any profit it's getting taxed at the company rates. That's it. Or going to you as an employee, direct to your tax return. Correct. At your discretion. At your discretion. But it's still not as flexible. Yep, not as flexible. Um, the unit trust is, is, is still a trust and has all those governance structure points that we said before, except instead of discretion, the trustee must distribute the profits, being in this case the 100,000, to the unit holders in light of what number of units they hold or what percentage they own. So if John, the trust holding that brick, if it was a unit trust... And I owned 500 units and Taylor owned 500 units. The trustee basically goes, well, at the end of the year, that $100,000 must go 
must go 50-50 to Glenn Taylor. That's correct. Because they're the unit holders. Can't be kept in the unit. No. No. Where my financial planning business, the Glenn James Financial Planning, was a unit trust. 100% of those units were owned by Glenn's discretionary trust. Yep. Yep. So, so then you might ask, well, well, when are the instances or when would I potentially use a unit trust as opposed to a discretionary trust in light of the fact we just said you remove flexibility? Um, the primary probably situation you see, and John, you may have seen this, is is when you have sort of joint ventures. Yep. Yep. So, so you may have a situation where two people want to do a property transaction. Um individually they don't have the the resources or the capacity or the ability to do it so what they do is they say well how about i contribute 40 percent you contribute 60 percent and therefore they want to use a trust structure so they may say then we can own the units 60 40 Mm. okay the other point could be if there's a level of borrowing sometimes banks are a little bit more comfortable if there is a fixed entitlement, which allows a level of gearing into those entities, um, yeah. or or even outside of that, is probably when you when you have um, probably more arm's length unrelated parties collectively investing into something like a lot of large investment trusts. You usually find their unitized structures, which gives the investors the protection that they know what their ownership interest is as opposed to, um, you know, like Glenn may trust me to make the right decisions on behalf of his family, but Glenn's 50 friends, if they are putting money in, they might go, we don't even know this guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, that's right. And I guess for my own personal situation with the Glenn James financial planning business, the reason that was a unit trust is if if it grew to this, the stage and I wanted a business partner, I could sell them. 40% of the units. Perfect. The units. And you then that doesn't affect anything else that yep. I set up. Yep. So succession. Yep. Well. It was yep. absolute yeah. flexibility, which it just goes to, I think, and we'll just touch on tax again before we go to the types of assets. If, let's talk about capital gains tax. So this brick that John's holding on trust is a viable business. Okay. So we'll just change it to that brick is basically a barbershop. Yep. There's 12 barbers over two locations. It's worth a million dollars. Okay. If John was to sell that brick, well, if I'm the barber, I guess, if I wanted to sell the brick and the business, because trusts don't pay tax, we can get the usual capital gains tax provisions and they can flow down through to the beneficiaries. Is that correct? That's correct. Now, the difference was... If that brick was housed inside of a company and we sold that asset inside the company, capital gains tax, the 50% discount doesn't exist. You're straight up company tax rate. That's right. And then the, the problem you have is then usually, depending on what the plans are for that corporation and its directors, is the money's got to get out of the company. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So uh, unless they're planning on reinvesting it. But yeah. but fundamentally, you're right. So it's there. And then if they wish to pay that money out to the shareholders, so the shareholders finally get the money, there could be top-up tax there as well. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. I'll give you a, a real-life example. We did a joint venture a couple of years ago. We set up a unit trust. There was four of us. So we're all directors of that unit trust. 
So that was easy for lending because lenders said, well, okay, we're taking in all directors' income. Just one sec. You yeah. were The unit trust had a corporate trustee with four directors or were the four people trustee of the unit trust? They were trustees of the unit trust. Okay, so they didn't have yeah. a corporate trustee? No. Okay. No. So we knew that it was a two-year wild exit <laughs> to then say, so okay, lending's right. Upon profit, you've got the capital gains tax exemption after 12 months, 50%. And then upon selling, you've got the ability to distribute income four ways. So you've, in a way, you've got the best of a lot of things to, to take into account, knowing that it's a short-term play yep. as opposed to a set-and-forget mm. strategy. Yeah. yeah, and 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 in that case, John, each of those you said four unit holders. Four. Eh? Each unit holder could decide how they wish to hold their interest, yeah. depending on their own situation. So, one unit holder may decide to say, "I've got a family trust. I want my family trust to own the units." Yeah. Another another may say, "Look, I, I have a spouse that doesn't work. I, I want them to own it." Another may say, "I, I I'm happy to own it in my own name." Right. And the other might say, I've got a bucket company that yep. we've had it for a million years that it just owns everything. Yeah, yep. so yep. some asset protection there. Yeah, but, the but what it allowed you to do is facilitate flexibility by each individual's mm. ownership, individual circumstance into that one project mm. to achieve a desired outcome that each of you then shared in. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I think it's it's just interesting to know that depending this way you need if you are a business you need the right type of advice so if you're trading and there might not be an asset at the end to sell it might work out better to just have a company because we don't have to have a capital gains tax issue to deal with later on Mm -hmm. i think it's just there's so many options now another thing that's very important where you know my lawyer liked the fact that i was trading out of a trust was because if there's any issues with the law, trusts aren't governed by the Corporations Act, which is basically what governs every company. So, do you want to speak to that? I guess you're not a lawyer, but just from a, a an accountant's point of view or just from you being a person in the world. Yeah. And, um, and look, that. ASIC obviously governs um, corporations in, in relation to the Corporations Act. Um, it is it is complex. Um, it is more an area of law, but, but primarily... Um, there's individuals or organisations that, that structure themselves to stay outside the realms of that. Um, a lo- an example is for you when a company meet, gets meets certain obligations in relation to size or number of employees, it has reporting obligations that can make its financial affairs publicly available. So there's many private business owners that primarily they're in private business because they want their affairs to remain private. Equally, there's a whole lot of complexity in relation to insolvent trading, okay, and and what that could mean. Um, No one goes into a business um, thinking or with deliberate intention for it to go bad, but often that can eventuate. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and therefore there's other complexities in relation to obviously ongoing ASIC obligations where people often say, you know what, I feel a trust just is better suited to what I'm trying to achieve. Yeah, and I guess another way to look at it, if there was an issue with a company, they just open the Corpse Act and go, yeah, black and white, this company mm. did not do this, yeah. you're done. Yeah, Trust law, it's based on 
precedents. Okay, so has there been a, a previous precedent of something happening throughout the court system? Yeah, it happened there. It was slightly different, so yeah. there's a bit more wiggle room. So, yeah. and and probably it's it, look good point. It's probably that also governance can be customised. Yeah, yeah. So corporations act governs all corporations in this country. Um, a trustee, upon its initial preparation, can be customised according to whatever you wish with full flexibility. So, so you may say and define um, person X Y Z is never to benefit under this trust. Yeah. Mm. Right? Um, you may say, or be more, be less prescriptive. You may say it can only be these two people forever and a day. Right? Yes. So you have the full flexibility to set it up to meet your own affairs. Whereas on the other side, Corpor- Corporations Act does say yeah. every company must meet or adhere to these to this legislation. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So again, that's what you just need your own advice. Now on the beneficiaries thing with the discretionary trust, if income. It was producing that much where Taylor and I were receiving from this brick where we've pretty much capped out 500 grand each and we're at the max tax rate each of like 50 cents in the dollar. It has the provisions where we could set up a, a bucket company that we effectively benefit from and we distribute the profit from that brick into that bucket company so then that bucket company, we're not paying more than 30 cents 30 in the cents. dollar. Yeah, that's correct. So, And that tipping rate is really 32.5 cents, isn't it? Like once you're over that rate, you've, you can allocate into another company at 30 cents. Yeah, well, I basically I think it would go back to, and I'm not an accountant. That's just a total sidebar. <laughs> Do you like, I like to work out effective tax rate. Yeah. Where some people look at just the <laughs> scale and go, like, it's, yeah, it's pretty yeah, crazy. Look, anyway. yeah, look, no, 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 but it's, but it's a good question. Look, we, we always like to say effective or average tax rate, yeah. Yeah. right? Um, yeah. So, to the point where you said, Glenn um, and John, if a family group can maintain and minimise within the rules and regulations an effective or an average tax rate below a certain threshold, that's often a good goal and objective to have every year. Right, and then what? What most importantly is, which is true, is that under a marginal tax rate system, if someone earned a million dollars in one year and nothing for say the next nine years, whereas if someone earned a hundred thousand dollars a year over the ten years, the person who's got the annuity-based income with a marginal tax rate lower over the whole year will end up playing a large, large, large lesser sum of money yeah Mm. yeah Yeah. so so the arbitrage of benefiting and smoothing it across a family group can be very material hence why you see at many points in people's lives maybe not right now for a number of our listeners but it could be is that's why people do set up these structures Mm. because managed effectively um to meet the goals and objectives the, the the outcomes for the family unit can be material yeah yeah, yeah. Just on that, it, that just sparked my uh, reminder of a person who's in an industry that does uh, cost uh, income averaging. So over yeah. a four years or five year period, yeah. they uh, if they earned their yeah, so like talent or farmer. Yeah, or yeah. Something. So I was yep. going to say yeah. be like a sports person. Yeah. yeah. So they had five hundred k one year and then thirty grand the next, and 
yeah, yeah, because that's exactly right. So that that's that's the actual ATO um, acknowledging that yeah. there are professions whereby your income is very lumpy. Yeah. yeah, you know, you're you're the you're the hottest talent one day. Yeah, you, you're, you're back on. The, the next, <laughs> you're yeah. nothing the next. Taylor Swift. <laughs> hey, you leave my gal alone. <laughs> and and farmers are the other one too. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which we know they can go through years of drought yes. and then have one great season bumper. and then go through another – yeah, bumper season and then they go through another four years of not much. So I want to move on to two things. Well, three things. The first one, for those listening who might be a, in law or accounting, you're thinking, oh, Glenn, you've missed two key things of a trust. I'm just going to mention them now and move on because we're not covering them because it's just too complex. There are two other kind of – roles in the trust ecosystem. The first one is the appointer, which is ultimately the person who appoints the trustee of the trust. Okay. So for me, it wasn't me. It was a family member who was just, anyway, that's goes, it's totally beyond the scope. So there's the appointer and there's actually when we start the trust, the settler. So somebody who comes along and puts the first bit of asset on trust for the benefit of Glenn and Taylor. So, Bruce down the road, and that settler Bruce down the road, he can never receive any interest uh, from my trust. Can't benefit from the trust. He can never benefit from the trust. He rocks up with a brick out of the goodness of his heart, says, John, you're there a trust is. now. Can you manage this on the benefit of Glenn and Taylor? So, mm-hmm. that's totally beyond the scope of this, but your accountant and solicitor will work you through those complexities. Yeah. So, the next thing I want to just talk about, uh, we'll talk about using trusts it's where both employees or not self-employed, but also family law. A lot of people, and I've seen it in forums on Facebook and groups, people go, oh, we set up a trust because if I get divorced and blah, blah, we can hide assets. Mm. So, talk to us in your experience with family law and asset protection. Yeah. So, so family law first and foremost. And look, I have had numerous clients go through divorce. And for all the listeners, not something you ever want to go through. It's it's a complete look through, right? So there's no ability to hide or shift assets. Yeah. There's there's po- positive um, disclosures that are made along the lines of this this list of assets and liabilities is is primarily everything that we own or control or have the benefit of and 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 fundamentally that has to go to the family courts and be stamped and and my understanding is 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 non-disclosure is is a big risk mm. in relation to that proceeding being challenged at a future date yeah so for example um yes trusts can help with asset protection if you are in the line of fire with your work or something like that however if taylor wants a divorce from glenn which she'd be crazy to do that. But if she did, um, our trust, family law, and if there was little Taylor Jr. and <laughs> Taylorette Jr., I don't know, family law would pierce any corporate veil. So we talk about a corporate veil. Yeah. could be a company. It could be a trust. could be superannuation get thrown in the mix. Family law just looks through everything. Yeah. And look, back – and good point. So that's the divorce side. If you actually come back to the asset protection side um, – as you just said, you may have a trading entity, and then then often in in a lot of families, there's 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 two individuals, spouses. Um, they wish to accumulate wealth outside of the trading business, okay? Because everyone knows commercially there can be risk with that. Risk assessments different depending on your industry or size of business and scale. The trust can help as a way to build and manage investments or assets or wealth over a long period of time which isn't linked 
to the corporation isn't linked to the individuals who may be the directors or the advisors in our instances and therefore you have a separation a clear separation between who's conducting what and where assets rest where wealth rests mm. Yeah. Mm. now usually you find um, this is this is purely just risk mitigation yeah. Yeah. yeah, depending on the quantum of the assets, um, the type of industry that you're in. Hence, why looking at one's goals and objectives and where they, what industry and where they wish to go and how much they've got today, but also tomorrow, yeah. is important. One attribute that you need to consider in relation to whether a trust will help them or serve a purpose. But mm. what you said before, Glenn's right. If you can, if you can minimise the downside risk in relation to if things do go bad, and you know, we're now sitting here. And there's a few, there's a lot of volatility in the world, right? Mm. Like a lot of business owners didn't expect this. Yeah. Okay. They didn't expect it and, and it's outside their control. So, so asset protection strategies, there help. And you still have the flexibility, like you said before, in relation to allocation of that, that income across a family unit. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I talked to a lot of accountants, including yourself over, over the journey and, and I think, yeah, you've got asset protection, you've got tax minimisation, all those things, but but essentially nothing's bulletproof, is it? Absolutely. Like, uh, a lot of the, the final comment of most accountants is, well, this is all great, just don't get divorced. <laughs> You're absolutely <laughs> so, right, because yeah. it's all looked through. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I just actually, if I can just go back one sec before we get on to um, assets and whether employees can use trusts for their assets. One of the things... Oh, and I've totally lost my train of thought. It was around, oh, do, 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 do. oh yes, lending. So if you're self-employed, this is why you need a bloody good mortgage broker if you want a home loan. So when I was going for a home loan, uh, one year, for example, uh, last year, Glenn and Taylor could have received $50,000 each of that 100000 So one lender would go, because the house is going to be in your name only, Glenn, uh, we're only going to allocate that $50,000 that you've earned. Yeah. But the other lender that I went with, they, they're they like, oh, well, we know it's a discretionary family trust. Yeah. And I think we just did a letter or something to say, look, that was, uh, we intend to use our discretion next year that Glenn would receive the whole 100000 Yeah. So some banks or lenders, even though it's a discretionary trust, and they call it an ad back some won't add back the income that was distributed to Taylor mm-hmm. to me if the property wants to be my name. That's right. And so, the percentage of add backs too is critical. So, yeah, that's that? a whole other wild mm-hmm. journey. But again, that's why you need a good mortgage broker totally. if you are self-employed. And, and back, look, John, you made that point before about you, know, you, re- you really should understand um, what is my uh, investment objective? Mm. You know, is there debt involved? And and should I? Because you can always talk to um, before setting up a new structure. You can always talk to the bank about yeah. is it is this suitable and will this be accepted by credit? Yeah, and yeah. I think commonly um, you, you don't want to be sitting there thinking, well, I'm going to set up this business, this structure. Um, so that puts me out from buying any assets for the next five years because yeah. banks won't lend. Like that's just false. Yeah, you've got the ability. Like there's lenders out that will take twelve months worth of business income only if you've only mm-hmm. been operating twelve months. So there's where's a will, there's a way. You've just not, as you said, got to be aware of it from the from the outset. Yeah. So let's now assume that Glenn James and Taylor Swift are very happily married. Okay, <laughs> of course they very. Would be. um, we just have a hoot. Us too. We just anyway. 
I just fell <laughs> in love with my, my wife. We all are. We all are. <laughs> <laughs> so, in another world, Taylor, she's a full-time uh, anaesthetist. Employee, not self-employed. Okay. Ooh, she's a risque. <laughs> yeah. So, she's a full-time employee. I'm also a full-time employee at Bunnings because I wanted a job there so I know where everything is. So, we both earn okay money, but we've got no desire to be our own boss. Do we need or can we set up a trust to buy property, shares? Can we do that? Uh, you could. The The question would be is, um, is probably should we? Yes. Yeah. Um, so, look, that, that probably depends on a couple of things. Um, one, you, again, would be risk mitigating. So, do any of us have concerns in relation to if we accumulated wealth in our own names? Now, remember, everyone has different risk profiles. Like, mm. I, I might say, um, I do have an issue with that and, and I don't want to do that and therefore I want to have a structure. Whereas, you could be sitting there and be the, the same advisor from the outsider carrying the same level of risk, but you go, that doesn't bother me. Yeah. You know? I, yeah. Um, so, there's that. Then you got to go and say, okay, if I did do that, will there be a level of borrowings into it or financing? Mm-hmm. Um, because I th- and I think that's an important point that we need to say, like because a lot of property transactions, and John, maybe you can talk to this, often they are run what we call negatively gearing. Mm. Right? I'm sure, I know you've done discussions about that. Um, if you have a loss inside a trust, the individual's earning the employment income and not receiving a benefit of that negative gearing agent. So, the loss in the trust can't be flowed through to the beneficiary's tax return. That's yeah. correct. It's yeah. captured in, the, in, in yeah. the trust. Okay. So, what we're saying is Glenn and Taylor, both employees, no intention to ever uh, be self-employed. We can actually set up a trust if we want for long-term wealth creation. Not a problem. We can. You could. I'm sorry, I missed the point about the employee situation too. Look, that de-risks one's that de-risks one's situation because you're not carrying on in your own right. So you're basically sitting under your employer who should be appropriately um, insured, yeah. mm. be under the Department of Health, have level. You know, you're not exposed to that. And it's just funny, like, because people I see in these online, like, Facebook groups, people go, like, oh, we're going to set up a trust to hold our shares. I'm like, okay, number one, you know, so he can or she can distribute the profit of the shareholding to the other spouse. Yeah. That could be an option. But I'm thinking you would only do that if you had significant wealth. Correct. And one of the employees might be seasonal work and lumpy income year on year. Yeah, because in your situation, if you had differences in relation to how much you're earning in salaries and wages and you and you had some cash to invest that was going to generate income, you could just set that up in your personal name yeah. or one of your personal names exactly. as opposed to setting up a structure. So, so one of the arguments I get from people is, well, okay, I want to set up a trust to buy an investment property in, right? I realise that I can't... Um, have any flow-on um, negative gearing effects in the years that I own the property. However, and I'll take care of that through the cash flow of my own life and other assets, etc. But upon selling, I'll be able to recoup all those negative um, 
funds that uh, that I'd paid out throughout the 10 years that I held the property. Yep. What, what's your um, thoughts so you, on that? Okay, so just on that, you're saying the losses can stay in the trust and be used for the sale of an asset. Yeah, when, when you find a sale. Yes. So the, the, the losses aren't uh, lost. Yeah. They're just carried forward. They're carried yes. forward, yeah. yeah. Um, look, I'm... I'm always a bit, you know, the bird in the hand versus two in the bush, yes. right? Um, in that case, if if it is in that entity, they're forgoing cash flow today yes. for for cash flow tomorrow. Mm. Um, if they're only ever going to distribute to themselves, like which which if you actually look at, I, I don't know the statistic, but the, you know probably eighty percent of of family trusts really only distribute to. Immediate. Closely held immediate yeah. family members, yeah. yeah. So in that case, the individuals could have held that property in their own names, yeah. Okay, obtained the negative gearing deductions each year, each year, yeah. Um, which gives them cash back immediately when they sell the property. They're going to pay the same tax mm. unless one of them has disproportionate incomes, grossly different mm. to what, yeah, yep. Yeah? Because at the end of the day, the trust is going to have to distribute that to the individuals anyway. Yes, yeah. So in Glenn's example of working at Bunnings versus Anethesist, right? The Anethesist might run their own business, yeah. So they're maybe high risk, aren't they? to be uh, for litigation and everything else. Glenn's pretty safe at Bunnings, yeah. So in an ideal world. Who needs the tax benefits there? It's definitely the anaesthetist earning the substantially higher income. But you'd want Glenn as the title holder, wouldn't you, and, and keep Taylor well away from the property from an asset protection point of view. Yeah. So there's this really juggling act. You can't have the best of both worlds, good, but you can find something in between. Yeah, and I would probably say as a broad brush stroke, there's probably only 5 to 10% of the population who are employees who are having a decent-sized investment portfolio that would need a discretionary trust for that. Yeah. I mean, sure, line in the sand today, if you've got over 400 grand and it's growing and you're like, under under that, yeah. why would you bother? Because remember, you, you might have to pay $1,600 a year for the tax return. That's the it. Entity. Yeah, it's high cash flow portfolios only really. Yeah. yeah. And I just think it's, don't overcomplicate it. No, no. Like, keep, keep life simple. Like where you can. Yeah. Mm. And then all these people like, it's just extra paperwork in your life. And the big thing why you probably wouldn't do it for property as well is if you buy a property, particularly in New South Wales, what's the land tax threshold? 650 or something? Yeah, about that. Yeah. In a trust, that threshold reduces to zero. Correct. So you're paying land tax from day one because you don't own the property. Another entity does. Yeah, and and to get lending in a trust has become harder and harder in the last couple of years as well. Totally. So people only realise that at the 11th hour. Yeah. Mm. So in wrapping up, because you've got to hit the road, Scott, a trust can own shares, property, a business. It can. So my discretionary family trust, it has a share portfolio. Like there's ETFs um, online that it owns. Yep. Uh, it owned a financial planning business. Yep. It, uh, it owns now owns the podcasting company. So for me, my discretionary family trust, because hopefully I'll always be a self-employed person, this family trust for me is my wealth creation vehicle for life. It's not going anywhere. It's called a random name. So if someone wants to dig dirt on me, it's very unlikely they would find it. But as things come and go, I might start a business and sell it. That will go, that company, that trust. So... 
it's just a bit of a choose your own adventure. And for me, it gives me the ultimate flexibility. Yep. And and then the choose your own adventure, the only the only proviso on that is as long as the trustee says those things. But you're absolutely right. The trustee can state all yep. those things that you have the right to be able to do. Yep. Great. So remember, jump on, have a look at the image. We'll put it back up on the screen now. And there'll be a link in the show notes to our simple diagram. Now, Altus Financial, do you help clients all around Australia? Uh, look, we're New South, New South Wales based. You, so primarily, would you prefer local only? Or? Wrong no, answer. <laughs> no, look, no, not at the moment. Look, as, as you and I and all those guys know, we're, it's technology. Yeah. Right? It's just primarily about the client's experience and whether how much they want or expect a face-to-face mm. contact versus mm. the virtual offer. Right? Well, we I think there'll be mm. more virtual meetings going on with <laughs> this I absolutely agree. So. We're, we're all got to adopt yeah. a virtual mentality. So, right? yeah, so if you want to head to altusfinancial.com.au, Scott and his team, and I just really will stress it's all about – if you're in small business and you are a sole trader and you're starting to maybe carry some risk or employ somebody or just move up just from a somebody who owns their job, okay? So, it's not a bad thing, but if you're a, a tradesperson who is just earning a bit over normal income, you own your job. Mm. That's not a bad thing. If you wanted to sell your business you could probably only sell it for the equipment that you've got. Yeah. So, but if you want to go, I'm a tradesperson, but I want an empire. I want to be the biggest X in my area. I want multiple vans. I want multiple employees. I want my little thing. Yeah, sure. Then we go to Scott. Hey, this is my growth horizon. This is my yes. plan to the business. What do you think is the best entity? Yeah, yeah. or even, even so, Glenn, for any, if if listeners have been told they should set something up, um, because there's benefits to it. Yeah. I'm happy to bounce around ideas about, you yeah. know, or with the team of, or does it truly make sense? Because it's really easy for, I'm not saying most advisors are great advisors, but it's really easy for people to get caught up in, I heard a friend who told me I need to because there's a great benefit to this to me. Yeah. But potentially the complexity and the cost is outweighing the actual benefit. Yeah. And I think stressing back to the empire, mm. regardless of whether you want to build an empire or not i think we should all be thinking what is it what's it going to look like for me in five years 10 years yeah. 15 years and then you can work your way back to this next decision yeah. can't you it's so, completely and true I, and i think as well it's like you've just got to because you life's full of risk you can't control everything but you got to be like okay over the next five years i want it to look like this yeah. so i'm going to go 80 percent chance it will hopefully look like this so I'm going to make all my decisions based on the majority, yeah. the likely yeah. thing. Yeah. If it doesn't look like that, well, there are some downside things like, you know, if I set up a company, uh, I'll give you an example. Like you might say, look, I want to set up a company or incorporate rather. I think year on year income is going to be the bigger deal for me. Uh, so I'll just set up a company so I can just get the company tax rate. You know, I don't really need to worry about selling that going concern because it is just me generating the income blah 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 but there is a risk that in eight years time in five years time that you have grown it to a something worth something well if you did sell it that's just the the you don't have capital gains tax yeah and look i I think you're right like you you should be um we can and and same as you can you can only make an assessment or a decision based on um what you know today 
and and you're absolutely right you should be looking at the goals and objectives and then fundamentally my view is always the structure should be the optimal structure to support you achieving those goals and objectives yeah and so structure should support what one's trying to achieve Mm. yeah and it makes the likes of your job easier because i've just told you what i want to achieve yeah reverse engineer it and yeah. let's get it done yeah and also there are some chances where different governments well there could be exemptions if you want to change entities so for example if john was holding that brick inside a company and we thought oh we want to change entities or whatever and i'm going beyond the scope but if i held shares in that company and i wanted to change because when you sell a share in a company you might trigger a stamp duty you yeah. might trigger uh, tax there can be some rules you can tell i'm not an accountant by the way i'm saying this that there could be stamp duty exemptions for moving entities and whatnot there can there can yeah. but but again i always come back to that that that's the uncertainty right like one might sit here and go yeah you can't yeah. plan based on legislative risk oh no. but also yeah. how successful you're going to be yeah, but, but totally. equally you might get two months in and then actually go hang on th- this is going um better faster than i could have ever had imagined mm. so you could dovetail and change structure there as opposed to getting two or three years down the track and then going um oh oh oh, yeah i knew this was a success i've been going really well 18 months ago like that's probably the advisor client relationship where where they should be in constant dialogue about it so then you can tilt and adjust accordingly Earl at its earliest possible point. Totally, totally. Mm. All right, Scott. Thanks, thank Scott. you so much. Very that good. was uh, that was a, a banger, and you can see why we couldn't just tack in that little segment, the episode two fifty seven. And Scott Young from altusfinancial.com.au, there to help. Thank you, guys. See Thanks you guys. for having me. Bye-bye. Bye bye. If you're after personal financial advice. This podcast is not for you, but if you do want a financial advisor or mortgage broker to talk with about your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help, and we'll put you in touch with one of our trusted professionals. If you're looking for a super fund that puts its members' interests above all else, choose a super performer, Sun Super. With low fees, strong investment returns, and great member services, Sun Super is Super Ratings 2020 Fund of the Year and has also been awarded by Money Magazine, CanStar, and Finder. Find out more about SunSuper at sunsuper.com.au forward slash choose. You can join SunSuper online in under five minutes. Many people do not realize that slavery still exists in the world today. That's why My Millennial Money supports A21. We want to highlight A21 as they work to abolish slavery and human trafficking all across the world. If you want to support A21, visit a21.org.au for more information. If you're listening to this podcast, there's a high chance you have disposable income. Glenn has a mandate to get everyone giving, saving, and spending in that order. Now, we want to encourage you to be generous with your money, but choosing an effective charity can be difficult. An amazing resource you can use is thelifeyoucansave.org.au. You can donate to them, and they'll distribute your donation to a variety of life-saving and life-changing charities around the world, with a focus on eliminating extreme poverty. For more information, visit thelifeyoucansave.org.au. Thanks to Jess Knaus, executive producer, Laura from La La Social Club, and me, Asha. Uh, Anyway, make sure you stay connected via our Instagram, our free Facebook group, or if you want to turn it up a notch and be on the inside of the show, become a member of M3 Private. For further information about what's going on, check out the links in the show notes. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.